Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our episodes by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on all major podcasting platforms. Now, in today's episode, I'm being joined by Greg Council, who's the VP of Marketing and Product Management at Parascript. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how data is processed from an insurance perspective, mainly focusing on why we are dealing with such outdated systems and how we can move to a more automated focus. So, Greg, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Very welcome. I'm uh, excited to delve into this topic matter because it's not an area we get to really process a lot. But before we get to the questions, could you just let our listeners know a little bit of background on yourself and Parascript if they're not familiar? Sure. Um, I am the vice president of marketing and product management. So in that role, I get to actually combine a, a couple of fun things from you know the market sensing piece of it and solution development all the way to communicating and engaging with the market. So I got kind of get to do a, enjoy a full loop there. Um, with Periscript, you know, we've got a really rich history in providing high levels of automation, primarily associated with document oriented types of tasks. So if you imagine um, you've got documents, whether they're digital or they're scanned in, that data has to, has to go through a process where before it can get into a system. And Periscript has been applying you know, artificial intelligence, primarily with neural networks, but a variety of different types of machine learning technologies to, to automate that. And in, in a lot of cases, in many cases, you know, levels up upwards of 90% automation straight through processing. So uh, we've been there and done that, so to speak. Excellent stuff. So you guys know what you're talking about. So you're the best guest to kind of have when we're talking about processing documents. And when you and me were kind of setting up this podcast and we were like, what, what should we talk about? What area should we focus on? You came up with obviously the idea of this, this processing uh, perspective. And we were specifically talking about the healthcare and health insurance market. Now, for me specifically, I, I wasn't aware of what was kind of going on. So I think to start off the podcast, it'd be great to kind of give our listeners an overview as well. So when we're talking about the healthcare, the health insurance market, and we're talking about that specific use of documents as it currently stands. And what are the key aspects that people should understand before we delve deeper into this? Right. Well, uh, for in most cases, what I'm going to be discussing or what I discuss is, is, is focused mostly on the U.S. market. But that said, it is really not limited to the U.S. market in terms of uh, as you mentioned, document-based information and the amount of information that, you know, this rich data that is essentially trapped or really hard to get to. So I, I would say that even though, uh, you know, a variety of the healthcare field is just uh, riddled with technology, you know, there are all sorts of really innovative technology uh, use cases and solutions out there. But when it comes to information and how it's processed, there's just still a, an incredible amount of, of that information still stored within documents that is really expensive to get to. And because of that, typically has a lot of errors associated with it. Yes, that's kind of 
the alarming feature. You know, we, we have these conversations so much about how technology is making life easier and it's able to take a lot of workload off the the human workers who kind of come in to do this. But as we were kind of saying, when it comes to healthcare insurance, any kind of documentation process, we're still kind of building up to that. And the area I'm obviously curious about is when we're talking about especially the healthcare industry and the healthcare market, there's the claims to payment area or the revenue cycle management, which, whichever is easier for people to kind of hone in on. So if you could explain why documents are really still involved in that workflow process. Right. Uh, well, so if you look, if you can compare it to something that's more well known, such as the accounts payable, accounts receivable process with any type of organization, um, I think that that's a good place to start because then you can begin to see where documents are, are still predominantly involved. And that is primarily with the invoice and the remittance advice data. And within healthcare, uh, within the receivables side of things or the revenue cycle management uh, com component, it's still the same case. Uh, instead of an invoice, there's a claim. And even though a large degree of those claims can be converted and have been converted into EDI. In most respects, they still start as a document in some form or fashion, whether that's a paper document that's filled out in the doctor's office or a digital document that is ejected or an output from an uh, electronic medical records type of system. And from there, then the then the doc you know the document tries to go through. They try to go through a lot of uh, quality control processes before it's submitted to the insurance companies. And again, this is U.S. based or U.S. focused, and the data is, has to then go undergo another set of validations on the, on the insurer side or the payer side before payment is made. And then, then there's the, 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 all the processes that are typically very complex in once that payment is made and processing the remittance advice just to make sure that the provider, that healthcare provider has been paid what they believe should be paid. And so they can post that, in, that, uh, that uh, receipt so that that can go into the treasury system. So in the case of revenue cycle management, even though there's a, there are a lot of solutions out there that claim straight through processing and uh, in that respect can handle EDI or structured data very well, when it comes to the document-based type of information, it's almost a hard stop in terms of the ability to manage that automatically. And it forces organizations to maintain a high number of staff to just process that type of data. Definitely, because it, it is a high volume of data. And it's interesting when you talk there, because I kind of get the phrase, too many cooks spoil the broth when we're talking about this kind of thing, because we see a lot of parties are involved in this process. So what issues is that causing? And, and how is, or sorry, how else is manual documentation really affecting that process? Well, yeah, you know, um, and note, I didn't even talk about the processes that even lead up to uh, submitting a claim. So there, yeah, please do. And, and when, you, when you talk about the number of parties involved, uh, then my, my brain starts to even zoom out even further to talk about things like uh, the benefits enrollment process. Um, then there is, in most cases, because the U.S.-based healthcare system in most cases, as a private-based insurer where employers are providing health insurance, that when we have a, 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 an encounter, let's say we buy a prescription drug, in order to start the process of being able to get a reimbursement, we have to go, a lot of times we have to submit, um, us as patients, as consumers, have to submit 
the paperwork that proves that we had an expense. And it undergoes this type of benefits verification process. Uh, and then, and that's, that's outside of the actual encounter with the healthcare provider. So in that case, we just talked about three entities, myself as the patient or the consumer of healthcare, the benefits management organization, and then the healthcare provider. Once the healthcare provider has completed a service, then that whole process of the revenue cycle management comes in where they do the claims processing that then gets shuttled over to a health insurance company. And sometimes the health insurance company outsources that process to a third party provider. So, I mean, if you were just to even count at a high level, we've got five different uh, types of organizations involved with this process of sharing information. And so all of these entities and their different ways of doing business conspire to create a very difficult process to automate or to standardize. Because anytime you try to, you, you want to uh, avail yourselves of automation, the first thing you need to do is standardize on some sort of way of, of uh, taking the data and structuring the data and then transmitting the data and prov- providing that it is secure and everything like that. So uh, it just becomes this Byzantine type of network that is really hard to unravel, let alone automate. It's a lot, isn't it? (laughs) That's the simplest way of putting it. There's a lot of different plates spinning. Um, And just kind of curious from from your perspective that this has been going on a while, hasn't it? This just keeps growing and growing um, and, and it's difficult to find solutions. We're going to talk about solutions in a second, but this is just something that snowballed, right? No, yeah, you know, this is a, a problem a long time in the making. I mean, we're talking about decades and decades, and, and it, it tends to, the complexity doesn't decrease, it tends to layer upon itself. So, I mean, you can talk about it in terms of, of systems, whether those systems are manual and paper-based systems or technology systems, the way that uh, processes change is typically not a wholesale ch- a transition, you know, a rip and replace, but it's a layer not approach. I mean, we almost can go back to, you remember the, the year 2000 scare and our over uh, use of antiquated systems based on the program, pro, uh, programming language COBOL to, you know, to just understand just a, a little bit of, of the challenge that, that the American healthcare system faces. And, you know, I think that from a technology adoption standpoint or a process change standpoint, there's a lot of similarities regardless of what uh, uh, locale you happen to reside in. But when we talk about how uh, this is, the complexity has grown over decades, you know, it's through this desire to always improve, but the technology may not be up to the state of maturity where it's easy to adopt. Uh, there, it was maybe about 10 years ago, uh, the U.S. federal government uh, had a program to completely overhaul the healthcare system and spent about 30 to $40 billion dollars only at the end of it to actually not really move from status quo. So it's not a, a problem with funding necessarily. It's really a problem of technology maturity, problem with corralling a number of different uh, organizations or stakeholders involved with the process. And you know, as a result, the inability to actually come across with, with standards that can really solve the problem. You know, people who have been listening to this podcast for a while, you all know how we can't just rip and replace systems. There's a process to it. Imagine that tenfold when you're talking about the US healthcare system or 
a banking system or insurance. Even we're using, obviously, the healthcare industry as an example here today, but it's not only exclusive to the US, it's the UK as well and many other countries. The DNHS here um, have, has the same issues with records. And just processing that amount of data of that many people is it, it's almost impossible to visualize at the end of the day how much needs to be understood, how much documents, how much data is actually there. And one of the ways that obviously a lot of organizations and a lot of countries are trying to tackle this is the automation front, which we've kind of been touching on as we've been kind of discussing here. It, it really is the key in the conversation. And I know specifically over here, we've been talking a lot about NLP and really helping that element take a lot of the load off. So how does NLP really play a role in converting those complex document-based information into structured data that is readily available and understood? Yeah, uh, NLP or natural language processing is a pretty exciting area within automation. And it, I mean, regardless of the industry, there are a lot of practical applications that the technology or the technique can do now. With, res with respect to healthcare, uh, you use the word, a medical record that I think is the, probably the most appropriate place to start with natural language processing. But let me uh, expand out and talk about why natural language processing is so promising and, and where it, it can be applied. When we talk about document-based information, you can pretty much put, put, it, put uh, that type of information in the three buckets, one of which is structured information. So you can think of form-based data where you have labels of what the data are and you know where that data is. You have fields where that data is populated. We also, uh, the second bucket is semi-structured information. So in this respect, the information that you're looking for that you need is, is similar, but the format in which it's provided or how it's described in terms of data labels can vary quite significantly. So an example of that is the health remittance advice, otherwise known within the United States as an explanation of payment or explanation of benefit is an example of, of semi-structured information. But when we get into healthcare records, that can easily be a mix of all of the three and with mostly uh, uh, what we call unstructured information where there really isn't a reliable tag or a label for the data, let alone a location where that information might be. So with healthcare records, you might have some structured information in the form of a patient name and a service date, but all the other really important information regarding uh, the reason why the patient is visiting, you know, the, the uh, symptoms that they're experiencing that they provide as pros, as text, it has no labels in it. And definitely when the, the records or the information that the physician might apply in terms of what they found and the information that they uh, provide in terms of a diagnosis, it might be easily recorded as a diagnosis code, as we use in the United States, but there's a lot of still rich information that's provided again in prose or text. And the ability to pull that information out in a reliable way doesn't really lend itself to traditional techniques. So we have to apply new types of ways. And natural language processing is just one such way where we're initially provided with a lot of context. So grammatical information such as the parts of speech. Um, is this a noun? Is this a verb? that helps machine learning gradually understand the nature of the information to pull out those, the, the needle in the haystack, so to speak, the information that's really relevant to whoever might need it, whether that's a physician or if it's in a, you know, within a, a practice or the administration of a large hospital that wants to 
canvas a, a variety of information across patients to find out things like um, the likelihood of rehospitalization or other types of risk factors. So we're quite excited about uh, natural language processing when it comes to unstructured information. It really is. It shows the opportunities that are kind of present there. And again, whenever we talk about NLP and if it falls into obviously the AI and the ML categories, it, it's just there to make life a little bit easier and to, as we say, turn it into that structured data and make it understandable. Um, and, and when we're talking about this conversation, obviously automation is, is there, but there's an element I want to kind of get your opinion on, and that is the auto adjudication. So why is its implementation so important and how do you view it? Right. Uh, so the audio adjudication piece of it within the U.S. healthcare system is a, a set of routines or logic that are applied on the, on the claims, claims data. So uh, when a medical provider submits a claim for payment, that claim includes a lot of patient information as well as the information on what services were rendered. And with any provider-payer relationship, uh, the payer being the health insurance company, there's a contract that governs the, basically how the provider gets paid and under what circumstances. So there are you know, allowable fees and everything like that. So you can imagine if there are over 300 and there are probably 10 times that many diff different types of services that a healthcare provider could provide, there are a, you know, just a, a factor, a significant number of, of ways in which the provider might be paid and what type of insurance company um, is, is you know, operating under what type of contract. So the auto adjudication piece is the process where the claim is evaluated against what are the payment terms within the contract to verify that the service is allowable, that the fee that was uh, charged or claimed is also within those allowable ranges or otherwise it needs to be adjusted. All of these things are quite tricky, but are crucial in terms of verifying the services rendered to, in order to verify the proper payment that needs to be made. And it's not only a, a part on the, the insurer or the payer side, but once that payment is made, Almost the same process needs to be done on the provider side just to make sure that the insurer didn't make any mistakes. So it's a very, very complex but critical process that doesn't really involve the data extraction, but it operates on the data and it, will, and it, and it is mandatory that that data exists somewhere in a structured format. Most definitely, most definitely. And um, if we kind of look at the flip of that, and I don't want listeners to think that I'm always negative, I've got a ask both sides of the coin here but when we're having that machine to machine conversation the the electronic data interchange right so when it comes to that structured edi format what happens when it's not a structured rules engine in terms of breaking that down from a cost perspective time and processing right if, it, if it's not if it's not based in a rules engine then it's largely a manual affair where you can imagine staff are receiving claims, they're looking at the data, they're, argue, they're most likely entering this data into a system of record, and then they're reviewing um, almost as like a stare and compare type of process, reviewing that claims data against the, the stipulations that govern the contract, that govern that relationship between the provider and the payer to compare and, and verify that the charges, the services are allowable and the charges are allowable. So it, 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 by orders of magnitude, increases the time expense involved 
but also the potential for error. And uh, there is quite a lot of error going on within the healthcare system due to just that. Um, and I don't even want to talk about the potential for fraud that that opens up to. We'll be here all day, won't we? Oh, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it's true and it's as we've always kind of hammered in whenever we do these podcasts is controlling and structuring your data no matter how you get there whether it is through automation or nlp structures silos whatever you need to do it does save you a lot of time hassle and money in the long run versus having this non-structured rules engine um that could kind of be bought in and i think this is a good time to kind of if people are listening and they're like I understand what you're saying, but it doesn't really affect my industry. It, it, it does. It, it affects pretty much every industry in terms of how data is managed and how it's controlled. So if I could just get you to kind of look at this process in other sectors, how does this relate to other industries, such as take the financial industry, for example, which deals with a lot of outsourcing? Right. Uh, well, I use the phrase stare and compare and within the financial services market. And let's just dig into one that's, that's pretty cumbersome with it, within the U.S. But I think, uh, you know, across a, a number of regions is the process of lending, whether that's lending for you know, what we call residential mortgage here in the U.S., but lending for commercial purposes. It involves a, a, just a, a tremendous amount of paperwork. So the first challenge is the intake of that information. While the industry in and of itself is trying to automate and standardize, uh, there are things that are just really impossible to standardize, again, due to the number of stakeholders involved and the, the variety of information that's involved. So, you know, proofs of income, you might be able to create a clearinghouse where you could get that information in a structured way. But in most cases, it's up to the, the, the company, uh, you know, if it's a commercial lending scenario to provide tax return forms and, you know, income statements and whatnot. From a consumer perspective, it's the case of providing bank balances and the you know the income statements or you know, the paycheck stubs and things like that. So there's just a tremendous amount of document-based information in a kind of what we call a semi-structured, which we just talked about, or an unstructured type of format that a lender has to go through and verify in order to make sure that um, any type of uh, loan application is is valid, is compliant, all of these things before they even go to the point of trying to, to close a loan. So I, it, that is just one case and probably the most severe case in terms of the amount of variety of document-based information and the complexity involved. And, and again, it's, it's because of, of the, the severity of the information, the importance of the information. It also happens to be another industry that's heavily re regulated. Uh, so the government is, <laughs> regardless of what country we're talking about, the government is in there and actively involved. And so uh, just a lot of risk um, involved there. Definitely, definitely. I think the, the risk conversation is very key. And listeners will notice that we're not delving super deep because we could take any one of these points like risk and government involvement and we'd be here all evening. But what I'm hoping people get from the conversation is a little bit of fear of I need to get this under control now and this is methods that I can do it, but also the inspiration to actually go and do it. And that's how I want to wrap up the show here. So could you provide us with some practical advice on really where to start with document automa automation or advice for how people can look into the claims data management and the document automation process? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, so it really all, all starts with know thyself. So I don't want to get into like Shakespearean style uh, advice here, but 
it, you have to really understand the processes involved that you want to automate. And in doing so, uh, you find where the document-based information has the greatest impact, not from a necessarily a, a positive standpoint in terms of the ability to automate, but what are the risks involved with, with things like just the, the sluggishness of a process and the ability to turn around and complete a process, but also the potential for data entry error and, and whatnot. Uh, or it could be that you, due to the, the, the fact that it's trapped, that, that this information is trapped within documents, prevents the organization from doing things like easily uh, verifying compliance from one type of submitted document to another, from being able to comb through medical records of a patient to find commonalities or potential issues. So there are a number of things there, but it, it starts with just understanding the process and knowing where the, that document-based information is first. From there, it's really, a, a, I think uh, organizations are best served to just to understand the nature of that information. Again, using the construct of structured, semi-structured and unstructured information, because there is the proverbial low-hanging fruit. And that low-hanging fruit is, uh, you mentioned on the claim side, the structured information informs, you know, at least in the U.S., but the, the structured claims form, but it might be if it's a benefit verification form, that type of information is most often the easiest to automate. And it provides a really good first step in terms of dipping your toe into that water of document-based automation. Uh, because we're not talking about just workflow automation. When we talk about automating tasks, it's really about precision. You know, I don't think that there's any organization out there that would think that they they become a success by automating document-based tasks if, if they only get one percent of the data out of it. You know, the idea is always to get as as, as much information out of these documents at, at the highest levels of accuracy as possible. So that's that's kind of a precision type of thing. So you know, it helps organizations to start simple get those projects under their belt, those successes, uh, show the wins before they tackle the more complex information, such as semi-structured data, like on the remittance side, or, you know, parsing medical records and things like that. So that's that's kind of my high-level advice in terms of how organizations should approach it. I think that's some fantastic advice and um, a lot that organizations can use and more importantly, should use going forward. So Greg, thank you for coming on today's episode and walking us through all of this. It was truly my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you very much, Greg. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We do hope you took a lot away. If you are looking for more information on what we've discussed, then Powerscript has a fantastic blog on their website that you can subscribe to. And I'm sure a member of the team will be more than willing to help you out. So make sure you head on over to powerscript.com. <laughs>